somebody and say, God is big in my life. Yeah. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. 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 Boy, the word's been good this week. Haven't, haven't you enjoyed what the Holy Ghost has been doing and the word that we've been getting to feast on? It was sure good to, to listen to Morgan's chit-chat this morning with the church family, wasn't it? Yeah, and so if you, if you weren't able to be in the morning meetings, we encourage you to get hold of those, those CDs. They'll be a blessing to you. They'll be a help to you. You know, it can save you a lot of difficulty, save you a lot of, a lot of missed steps to get hold of some instruction, and, and it'll be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Well, turn with me, if you would, tonight, and let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you thrilled with the word tonight? Thrilled with the word. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> Hallelujah. We're going to look again at verse 11. I believe the other morning we started with this verse, but we're going to look at it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul is writing and he makes this statement, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. How many of you know the devil thrives on ignorance? You understand that? He thrives on ignorance. Knowledge expels him, but ignorance opens the door to him. And so uh, Jesus caused him, caused the enemy to lose the advantage over your life. He defeated him. And so Satan is always trying to work to regain an advantage in our lives. And so that's why Paul warns us, uh, lest Satan should get an advantage. He doesn't have an advantage. He's looking for an advantage. Right, right, right. That's right. Amen. Amen. You need to say to those circumstances, you won't get the advantage over me. That's right. Amen. And uh, he says, lest Satan should get an advantage, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That's right. right. So how does Satan get an advantage? He works devices. And if we're ignorant of those devices, then the devices work. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. But if we're not ignorant of those devices, then they won't work. He's going to always work devices against you. Know that. But you need to understand that things that come against you are not always just you. They're his devices much of the time. And if you'll recognize this as a device... Morgan was talking about it, I I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday morning when she was talking about how uh, her and Stephen were, you know, having to work out some issues early on in their marriage and and in doing that, it dawned on them, wait a minute, this isn't us. This is the enemy trying to gain an advantage in our marriage. And many times people don't recognize that and they start fighting each other or they start opposing their pastor or they think the problem is their church or they think the problem is the faith message, that it doesn't work. And it's because they don't recognize the device that the enemy works. And uh, if, if you don't recognize that he's working a device against you, then he'll gain an advantage. And so the best thing we can do is teach you. One of the best things we can do is teach you. Not, God not only has ways of working, but so does the enemy. You know, Dr. Summerall made this statement. He said, you not only have to be good at talking to God, you have to be good at talking to the devil. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's 
And you say, well, I'm not going to give him credit. Talking to him isn't giving him credit. Amen. You talk with two different influences. God, God's influence is one way of talking. You talk to him for him to gain influence. You talk one way, but you talk another way to the devil. Yeah. You, not in a conversational tone. The, the, the way you talk to the devil is in authority. Amen. And if you don't learn how to talk to the devil for yourself, he'll gain an advantage over you. And it's not just about getting your spouse to, to learn to talk to the devil. Or it's not about just getting your pastor to talk to the devil for you. You've got to stand up and say, no, you don't, devil. No, you don't. Amen. And uh, because he's looking to gain the advantage. So let's not be ignorant. Amen. Let's not be ignorant. And then uh, uh, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, go back a page there, and we want to look again. In revisiting some of these things we visited the other day, but they, we want to keep building on what has been said and add to it tonight. So 1 Corinthians 16, it, you should just go back a page or so, to verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. And Paul in his writing says, For a great door, great door, <clears throat> and effectual is opened. See, the devil's mad because Jesus opened some things for us, you see. You're not, you're not trying to, to get into it, to, to get some things that Jesus already opened for you. Jesus said, I'm the door. Yeah. And, and, and Paul said, a great, and effect, a great door and effectual is open unto me. I, I think this word effectual is, is particularly telling. It's telling us that in that door, there's going to be an effect. You, go, you, you operate, move through that door, there's going to be an effect. Not just for you, but for others. The devil's afraid of that effect. And so he tries to oppose uh, people going through the, the door, if, and I call this the door of more. More anointing, more revelation. Uh, what, whatever God is bringing you into, more ministry, whatever God is bringing you into, the, God, the door of more, the devil's afraid of that because there's going to be an effect if you get through That's that door. Right. And so what the devil does is we see one of his devices here, and there are many adversaries. But as I said the other, the other day, always write in your Bible when you see the, the enemy referred to, always write in there the word defeated in front of that. Because yeah. we could read it this way, there's, there are, there's a great door and effectual is open unto me, but there are many defeated adversaries. Yeah, defeated. defeated adversaries. So you just step over them and keep going. You just step on over them and keep going. And... Uh, so what we see a device here of the enemy is he's going to place opposition at, at a place of more. Yeah. And he's going to try to back you out of that place of more. But that's one of his devices. Don't be ignorant of that. Right. And don't back out. Right, right, right. We've had so many people over the years, 20 years of pastoring, I've seen many people who came to our church and really heard the word taught in, in, in a fresh way for them the first time. They've maybe been raised in religion or maybe weren't even churchgoers, but they come to our church and they start hearing the word. And we always endeavor to teach it simply. We always endeavor to teach it in a way that they can apply it for everyday living. And so they get thrilled. They get excited. They start hearing answers for their life. But when you start coming into more revelation, the devil's going to oppose that. 
And they, they, they'll tell you for the first months, you know, they're just thrilled. They're thrilled with the church family, thrilled with their pastor, thrilled with, the, thrilled with being a part and, and supplying. And all of a sudden, opposition comes. And, and you look around, and they're not there, you see. And, and you try to tell them uh, that, and this is not to be afraid of it, but to be forewarned about it so that you can not fall prey to the device. And that is that the devil's going to try to do everything he can to get you out of the place where you're coming into more. Don't, don't leave that place. Don't get offended with anybody. Don't get offended with the children's worker. You know, they're not picking on you. Don't get offended, you know, with your pastor or the word that's preached. Uh, if you'll stick with it, if you'll stick with it, you'll be blessed. Amen. And so, and so we see this. And, and, and as I said, we have to remember in every encounter that the devil is defeated. We're not trying to get the big... He is defeated. We need to call him defeated every day. We need to call circumstances that come against us. They're defeated circumstances. Amen. And uh, then let's go over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and uh, we want you to see here in verse 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. Now people will many times just think that there were only three temptations happened because that's, that's what is recorded. But here it tells you, it tells you in, in this verse, in verse 2, that it was 40 days of temptation. Right, right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. How many of you know a day involves uh, the daylight and the night? Yeah, right, right, right. So for 40 days, day and night, temptations came and bombarded blow after blow after blow. We made this, this statement, you have to remember this, and that is Jesus did not go in there and the Spirit did not, did not lead him into the wilderness. See, people think that if the Spirit leads you, it's always going to be in, into wonderful, rosy situations. But the Spirit led him to be tempted. The Spirit wasn't tempting, but he led him to that place. Why? Because the Spirit wasn't leading Jesus there to see who was going to win. He didn't lead him there to see who was stronger. Jesus was the victor before he ever faced that wilderness. And so he went into that, that, that season as a victor. He operated and flowed and spoke the word in that season as victor. And he exited that situation as victor. And whenever you're facing situations in life, it's not so you can see who's going to win. It's so you can demonstrate victory. Jesus, I I firmly believe the Spirit led him there to demonstrate his victory and his mastery over the enemy. And so when you're faced with situations, face it, I'm going to demonstrate my mastery over this situation, over my opposition, over the enemy. I'm not here to see if I'm going to make it. Amen. I'm going to demonstrate my victory. I'm going to demonstrate my mastery over opposition. 
And then we see here, we, we want to go on down and we don't want to focus on all the in-between verses, although they're good, but we want to get down to verse 13. And it says in the King James, and when the devil had ended, see there's an end to a season of temptation. I've been, through, I've been through seasons, you know, years ago, and I, you, you, at, at times you wonder, will, will life ever be this, what it used to be? Will my mind ever be normal again in the sense of not having this bombardment or this pressure on it? That, that, that's the natural side, wondering, you know? Yeah, that, yes, you know, that just, that just comes, because cause you remember what it was like before the temp. Yes, there's an end. Yes, there is an end. There's an end to it. There's an end to it. If you just stay steady, stand your ground, having done all to stand in that evil day, how long is the evil day? As long as evil is banging on you. <laughs> how long is that evil day? How long do I have to stand? Till the end of that thing, till the end of that season. And we see here, it's a season. It's a season. Don't turn it into your life. It's not your life. It's a season. And don't approach it as your whole life is absorbed with it. It's a season. And there's an end to it. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. The Amplified, again in verse 13, and when the devil had ended every, the complete cycle of temptation. So we see this again. I know I'm restating some things, but it won't hurt us. When he completed or ended the cycle of temptation, the complete, ended every, the complete cycle of temptation. Haven't you ever noticed a, a, a difficulty will start in one arena? And it's like you get, your, you, you get your faith on that arena and then it surfaces in another arena. It surfaces, and don't, don't get into, why is this happening to me? It's a cycle. Right. It's got to go through the cycle. Wow. Yeah. And you might feel like you're in a swimming pool and trying to hold 10 basketballs underwater at once. <laughs> you get one down and another pops up. And you get that one down and another pops up. And, you know, it's, it's the cycle there. And so we see this, that, that the enemy's strategy here is being exposed, isn't it? It's a complete cycle. And, and this phrase says, he temporarily left Jesus. Notice, didn't Jesus do it right? Didn't he demonstrate his victory and mastery correctly? Yes. Then why is he only leaving him temporarily? Right. See, now we see another strategy of the enemy. That he's going to come back. Yeah. He temporarily left him. That is, stood off from him. Stood off from him until another more opportune and favorable time. Meaning an opportunity for him. Another opportunity, but also another opportunity for the man. When the man comes into more opportunity, then the enemy's going to come forward with a season of, of difficulty to try to hinder that man's opportunity. You speak doubt and unbelief and you give the devil an opportunity, right? You, you speak wrong, you give him an opportunity, but you just come into more of opportunities for your life and the devil will resurface at that. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I see it as an obstacle course, so to speak. 
the better you are, you, you've seen maybe on TV, they'll have, they'll have these reality shows and they have to go through an obstacle course and they can't get to the end until they pass that, ob that obstacle. They, and just because they pass one obstacle, they got to pass the next obstacle. And then they got to pass the next one. And we need to become more and more skillful at passing through these seasons. Because for the rest of your life, there's going to be seasons. If I could say it this way, you remember when uh, Joseph was in prison, wrongfully thrown into prison, his brothers treating him so wonderfully. You think you had family issues. I dare to say not, none of you had your family to treat you the way he was treated right, by his right. family. And uh, he has a, he has a, he's down there, and remember the king has a dream one night. And he has a dream, and he sees seven fat cows, seven, uh, seven fat cows. And then he, in the dream, he sees seven skinny cows, and the seven skinny cows eat up the fat cows, and he doesn't know what it means. And he calls for all of his wise men and all of his sorcerers and all of his, all of his counselors to try to interpret, and they couldn't. And somebody remembered, wait, there was a man that was in prison uh, down there that he can interpret dreams. And so they called for him, and God gave him the, the interpretation. And Joseph came out and said, King, this is the interpretation. The seven fat cows is seven years of abundance. For this land. The seven skinny cows are seven years of famine. Yep. The seven years of famine are going to come and overtake the seven years of abundance and eat them up. And he says, this is the plan. During the abundance, store up. Get ready for the skinny cow so the skinny cow can't hurt you. That's right, that's right. If I could say this, life is full of fat cows and skinny cows. Wow. Wow. Hey. Life is full of them. So when there's the fat cows, store up. Yeah. Store up wisdom, store up faith, yeah. store up knowledge, oh, store up spiritual strength so that when skinny cows come, you're unhurt by the skinny cows that try that's to right. eat up because you've been storing it up. So what is he saying? There's seasons for the rest of a man's life. Learn that. There's seasons. You're never going to escape those seasons. And it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong just because there's a season that changed on you. It just means that when there's abundance, yeah. when there's a time of peace, when there's a time of increase, just keep storing everything up because then you'll have more than enough for when the skinny cow comes. Yeah. That's right. Come on, every God. generation, every man of every generation has seen skinny, skinny, skinny years and fat years. Yeah, come on now. Amen. And so this is what we see. We see this again demonstrated. Uh, Jesus went through this temptation, but it's, it's for a season the enemy left him. Uh, God started showing us some of these things when Ed, several months ago, he was, you know, having traveled with him about 28 years now, off and on, and I've heard his testimony, different aspects of it, and the more you, the more you, you sit, sometimes he'll, he'll tell things that I hadn't heard before. He'll tell certain aspects of, of his testimony. And a couple of months ago, he was talking about how he was, uh, when, after he first got saved, he was still dogged for years by a spirit of fear afraid to get up in front of people. And uh, when God started dealing with him about beginning to preach, he would take Brother Copeland's uh, cassette tapes and put them on the pulpit and turn on a recorder, and he would push play. When they would invite him to preach, he'd come and push play on a Copeland uh, teaching tape, and he'd go sit down and let Copeland teach. And then he'd get up and minister to the sick. The reason he did that, he was afraid to 
to, to minister in front of people. He was afraid to preach, you see. And that spirit of fear would dog him. So he was giving his testimony again, and I'd heard that, that portion of it many times. And he talked about how when, right before him and I married, he went to Germany on a, on a trip, and uh, God began to show him because he didn't want him to bring any baggage into the marriage. And he says, I want to show you what's been troubling you these years so that you can deal with it. You see, you need, you need to deal with it, and you don't deal with it through inner healing, 12-step stuff. That's right. You deal with it with the Word. Yes. And God said, I'm going to show you what it is that's troubled you and how that thing got access to your life. Why? Because, you see, he knew that there would be more seasons of this, and he wanted him to face those seasons masterfully, not wondering. Yes. So he revealed to him showed to him how that spirit had gained access to his life and what that spirit was endeavoring to do and the purpose of it. And so uh, then whenever that, that spirit would show up, Ed would know, you see, he's not ignorant now, and he would, of, of how that spirit was operating, and he would take his stand against that, and that spirit wouldn't be able to work and trouble him like it had in the past. And so Ed was talking about uh, how, that, how he got knowledge of that. But then he made a statement. He said, I will have to stand my ground against that spirit for the rest of my life. After the service, I said... He said he stood off from him. Yeah. yeah. Stood off from him. Stood and off for another time to come back. Yeah. And so Ed made this statement. He said, I will have to stand my ground against that spirit for the rest of my life. And after the service, I said to him, do you, understand, do you realize what you said? Because after all these years of hearing your testimony, I've never heard that statement. Now, I understand that we will always have to fight the good fight of faith. I knew that the enemy would oppose, but what was revelation to me that it would be the same enemy. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I said to him, I said, do you realize that you said... Well, it wasn't long after that. We were, I don't know if it was in that same series of meetings or what, but Ed got up and he ministered and he spoke some things that God began to show him. And God began to speak to him and says, just as when you were born into this earth, there was an angel assigned to your life. And he said, in the same way, when you were born into this earth, the devil assigned a demon to your life. And they're called familiar spirits. Everyone has an angel with you. God gave them to assist and to help you. But there's also an evil spirit assigned to everyone's life. Don't be afraid of it. Right, 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 right. The Bible, the Old Testament talks about this familiar spirit. And so you have to understand this. What, notice this, angels aren't called familiar spirits. Demons are called familiar spirits. Now notice this. God is all-knowing. Right. That's why the angels don't have to get familiar with you. That's right. If I could say it that way. Because their instruction comes... They, they aren't God, but see, they're, they're working with an all-knowing God. Yeah. Satan is not all-knowing. That's right, that's right. And his evil spirits have to be around you to get to know you. Wow, to get familiar right. with you. Right. You understand? And so Ed brought this revelation that the Spirit of God said to him, just as an angel was assigned, 
an evil spirit was assigned. And I thought, well, sure, that makes sense in the respect of there's nothing original in the devil. That's right. There's nothing creative in him. Everything is destructive, nothing creative. Right, right. He's never created anything. He's a destroyer, you see. And so he's never created a strategy. He's only imitated a strategy. So what he sees, God assign an angel to your life, so he imitates. And he assigns an evil spirit to your life. Why? He's an imitator. From the negative angle, so to speak. And so when, when, we, when we realize that we're going through a season of opposition, know that it's not some random devil that, got, that the enemy sends against your life. It's an, it's an evil spirit that's acquainted with you. He knows what pushes your button. Knows where your weakness is. See, the angels know where your weaknesses are, but they aren't there to exploit those weaknesses. God knows where your weaknesses are, but he doesn't exploit them. He will help fortify them. But the devil, he finds those, those evil spirits that, 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 that follow you around, that they're there to learn them so that they can exploit them. But greater is he that's in us. Amen. And there's more with us. Amen. There's more with us than against us. And so this isn't to make people fearful and it's not to make them devil conscious. It's so that they understand the, the strategies of the enemy, the devices, so that they're not ignorant and the devil doesn't gain an advantage of them. So when the devil wants to attack your life because he's not all-knowing, He's not just going to pull a random spirit to attack you. He's going to use the one that is acquainted with you. Yes, come on now. And in every attack, although, although the approach may be a little different, it's going to be the same strategy. Yes, come on. Good. Amen. Good. Well, can we find scripture for this? Well, we saw that one, didn't we? Yes. Notice it gives us the idea uh, he temporarily left him meaning he's going to come back. Yeah, and he stood off from him while he's watching. He's watching. He's watching for a place of, of effectiveness where he can be effective. And every, listen, every day of Jesus' earthly ministry from the time he was anointed at the age of 30, every day from then on out was a combat with the enemy. Every day, something was opposing him. Every day. But you see, it didn't cause him to lose his stride. He just kept walking. He just kept going. I mean, every day you have to deal with something, don't you? Of the thought life, of your words, of your heart. You have to deal with something every day. But they should, it should not break your stride. Amen. Now, now go with me, if you would. Uh, let's go to... Uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 12 and let's see some scripture in this light. Matthew chapter 12. And it talks about how he was giving one illustration, you know, after God showed him that strategy of the enemy against his, against his life when he was in Germany. He's talked about it different times. He would be on the road traveling, and he was talking about how he was in Merced once, and in the middle of the night, that spirit of fear came in the room. 
And he says, in the, I think, well, what was it, 4 o'clock in the morning? So he just had on a T-shirt, you know, he had on his underwear, but he, wasn't, he didn't have on full set of pajamas. And he got up, that spirit of fear came in the room, and he got up and ran out the door and standing in the parking lot, not fully dressed, just standing there. And it dawned on him, wait a minute, the devil's in my room, and I'm out here. That spirit of fear that had dogged him his whole life, what did he have to do? He had to become masterful in that situation. Go demonstrate victory. Go demonstrate. Don't, don't, run, don't run away with your victory. <laughs> Go back and face that thing with your victory. And he said he ran back in the room and ran the devil out. And that was it. But you see, what was he saying? The devil, devil's going to come, but just because he comes doesn't mean he has to regain entrance. Don't be afraid that in these seasons when the enemy attacks that he has to, he has to get a foothold. He does not have to get a foothold yeah. if you understand his strategy and device that he uses against you. And Ed talks about it different times. That spirit tries to come back, and he has to again run him back out and run him back, back out. out. And it's not a different one. It's the same one. Same now, he might bring a different uh, accusation against him, but it's that same... If I, it seems to me that basically uh, well, everyone has to deal with the spirit of fear, but the spirit will suggest something differently to different ones. But it's a spirit of fear that people have to deal with, among others. But I'm saying that everyone will have to deal with that, but that spirit will suggest different things to different ones. And so it says here, look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. And Jesus is talking here. And says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he says, I will return into my house. From whence I came, and when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. So we see something here. He doesn't just, after the devil is recognized and dealt with, he doesn't just go to, when he can't find a place, he, he knows exactly, wait, I'm acquainted with the place I came out of. I'm acquainted. Let me see if I can get back in. So we see a, 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 a mindset of returning. Doesn't the word say something to this phrase that, uh, uh, and it's talking about a man who once he's delivered from something, if he ever turns his back on God, he's as a dog that returns to his vomit. You go back to that thing that troubled you or harassed you before you got delivered. When, 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 if we, and not meaning to sound crude, but when a, a dog, so to speak, vomits, it, it's expelling something out. Listen, that thing that might have troubled you, the power of God expels that out of your life. There's not a demon in your spirit. No, that's right. Expels that thing out. But don't go back and start retaking in that which was once expelled out of you. Don't go back to those same old places. Don't go back. And if you ever walk away from the plan of God, turn your back on, on what God's doing, you know where you'll end up, the same thing God delivered you out of but only worse, but only worse. And the devil doesn't return just because you failed. It doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. It doesn't mean that you've disobeyed God. It means that he's working this strategy, this device against you. And you have to understand that. And we think about this in listening to Dad Hagen's testimony over the years. Uh, of course, he was 
uh, raised up off of his deathbed, but when he was raised up off that deathbed, he talked about for a period of time that thing tried to come back on him time and time again, but really he talked about whenever he would miss God, then he'd start having tr heart troubles again. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And all throughout the rest of his life, he would have to, at seasons, deal with that same thing. So we see that played out in experience, don't we? Yeah. That that same, that same strategy that the devil works. Now go with me to Psalm 23. We're going to, we were over in this passage last night, but we want to see something else from a different aspect in this passage. Psalm 23. Again, in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. And we could say, you're with me and you're in me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Look at this. Thou prepare. He didn't say, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of enemies. He says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Meaning he's referring to enemies that are particular to you. And what would trip up one man won't necessarily trip up another man because the devil has certain strategies that he works against different ones. And he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And this is what I want you to see. No matter what strategy it is, we all stay at the same table. Right, it's the right, same word. Right. It's the same victory that belongs to all of us. You don't need a different word than what the pastor's preaching to get you through. That's right. That's your, right. your word, your answer is the same as any, every other man's answer. It's a, your right. answer is on the same table. Stay Hallelujah. with the table of the word Amen. and those enemies that are particular to you will be, will be easily and, 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 and swiftly, yes. depending yes. on how skillful you are, but assuredly overcome every time they raise their head of temptation yes, against you. Amen. amen. Then uh, turn with me, if you would, and let's go to Psalms 107. This is why you don't, you don't, you don't think of or pay attention to some reports of or get opinionated about something that, well, you know, I heard about this television preacher that he fell into this sin or he fell into that sin. Right. You say, I can't believe he did that. That's because that might not have been your enemy. That's right. Right. That was his enemy. Come on now. Wow, that's Don't good. you sit and, because you got your own Come on. Come on. that you get to exercise that's your good. victory that's over. Good. And so don't you get proud about how you've overcome, but I can't believe they didn't overcome because if it weren't for the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't overcome. 
If it weren't for God's power, none of us would overcome. If it weren't for the Word, none of us would overcome. So we don't sit back and say, I can't believe that he did that to his wife. I can't believe that she did that. I can't believe that because that's their enemy. And you can't sit back and say, I wouldn't have done that because that enemy wasn't attacking you. But if you sit there in judgment, the Bible says that that same temptation will come to you. Not from God, but from the devil. (laughs) Amen. Now here in Psalm 107, we see this. Look at verse 20. Psalm 107, verse 20. And it says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Notice He didn't say He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from destructions. He said He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What would destroy one man won't destroy another. Right, right. The device or the strategy that won't work against one will work against another yeah. if they're not skillful at using the word. And that's why you cannot wait on somebody else to exercise victory for you because they can't, you're the have to exercise your victory over your enemy. Yeah. And I want you to know, and listen, you don't want to leave your victory in someone else's hands, and I'm tell you why. Because it's not going to affect it. If if you if you lose, you don't stand your ground. You 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 give in to the enemy. It's not going to affect them the way it's going to affect you. Why are you going to turn your victory over to someone else's hand? I'll see to my own victory. Yes, amen. That's good, Pastor. Praise the Lord. You know. I don't mind you praying the prayer of agreement, but I'm just not leaving that thing with you. I'll I'll take the lead in this prayer of agreement. I'm not going to let you take the lead in the prayer of agreement. I'll take the lead in the prayer of agreement and let you add your faith to mine, but my faith is taking the lead in this thing. Amen. And then it says over there in Philippians chapter 2, we won't take time to turn there, it says, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. This could, one meaning of it could, that this means to become skillful with the word and victory that's yours in, your, in the face of your own difficulties. You work it out. Yeah, you work out that victory that is yours. Work it out into that situation. Hallelujah. And, and then, I, then I, I, I was talking to Morgan, I've talked to different ones, and we were talking about some of this, and I said, the thing is, is that, well, go with me. Let's, before I say that, let's go over to... Let's go over to Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy there. And And let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And Paul, in writing to Timothy, says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned or the sincere faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it's in thee also. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. So we can see this. He says, there's faith. that came. It, 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 you saw it demonstrated from generation to generation, and that same faith is in you. You saw it in your grandmother. You saw it in your mother. You saw them live it. Yeah. Now it's in you. He said, because that faith is in you, stir up. Stir up. Stir up. Stir up. 
the gift because see, it's going to take faith to stir it up. Yes. And he reminded them of his faith first. Because yes. yeah. it's going to take faith that these things require faith to stir them. And then it goes on, now you've got faith in you, you take that faith, you stir up what's on the inside of you, now look what's going to happen. For God's not given us a spirit of fear. <laughs> Why did he start talking about fear as soon as he start, after he finished talking about stirring up the gift? Because the spirit of fear comes to every man and tries to dog and trouble every man to hold them out of what they just stirred up. To keep them from moving with that stirring. Now notice, God's not, it's not God's job to stir it, it's our job to stir it. He told Timothy, you stir it. And when you stir it, you're also going to stir up some activity. And the spirit of fear is going to come on the scene. And the spirit of fear might, with one, accuse them that your spouse is going to leave you. Or one might accuse you you're going to lose your home. Or another one, you're going to be a failure. You're not, you're not going to succeed. All kinds of failure, uh, fears that are suggested. And, but it's all from the same, that, that spirit of fear that, that and Ed talked about that. That spirit of fear tried to get him not, not to be in front of people. Uh, he, he didn't like himself, you see. He didn't have confidence in himself. And that all came from that spirit of fear. But see, when, when the gifts of God started stirring, he started stirring those up, it also stirred up the spirit of fear. Yeah. And that's why Paul said, now, now, now he said, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power. So know that that which is coming against you, God's not participating with. That's right, that's right. That's right. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love. That word power, we could say this, a spirit of authority. Yeah. You have authority. Yeah. Yeah. You have authority. Yeah. Amen. Spirit of power, spirit of authority, Hallelujah. spirit of love, and a sound mind. Why? Because the spirit of fear tries to work on your mind. Yes, right. He's trying to get you to think wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to, number one, to get you to think wrong so that you'll believe wrong. Yeah. That's right. And number two, if he can get you to think wrong, he can get you to change your will. He's trying to get you to, he can't change your will, but he's trying to, with fear, trying to trouble you to get you to change your will. And I'm going to tell you what, every man has to deal with holding his will in line with God's will. Yeah, yeah, amen. I don't care how long you've been in the ministry, there have been, there, there comes great pressure to get you out of the ministry or get you out of that marriage or to get you out of that place of, comes great pressure on the mind. Yes. And it's all a spirit of fear. But the devil doesn't want you to recognize it as fear. He just wants you to think that, well, it's a midlife crisis. If I'd get a red Corvette and a different spouse, you see, I'd be happy again. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, because it's a spirit of fear troubling you. And you can fork out a lot of money, but that car's not going to drive off that spirit of fear. That's right. Boy, that's good. You're going to have to recognize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you don't recognize it, and that's why, you know, people don't want to go into the ministry or people don't want to obey God. It's a spirit of fear. Spirit and they better fear. deal with it yeah. instead of fighting, yeah, right. you see. And they better deal with, with people that don't want to tithe or people that don't want to give. It's a spirit of fear that they're not going to yeah, have enough and they try right. to hold back. That's you better right. deal with that spirit that's of fear. Right. That's right. See, he comes with different strategies. That's, that spirit of fear comes with different yeah. strategies because he knows what, what works against different ones. Yeah. And if you don't recognize it, you won't stand against yeah, it. 
you'll just think, well, that's just my opinion. No, the devil's trying to get you to change your will. Wow, that's, right. wow, that's so good. Jesus had to deal with that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he sweated great drops of blood. What was it? The devil was trying to get him to change his will. And this is what he said, not my will. In other words, I have a will that's different than what I'm going to be facing. But I choose to take up the Father's will in this situation. I choose to bring my will in agreement with the Father's will. And that was what that Garden of Gethsemane situation was about. Great pressure on his mind from the enemy to try that spirit of fear, trying to get him to change his will. And I've been there. Anybody been there? Yeah. Trying to oh, get yeah. you to change your Come will. Come on. But you, if you'll recognize that as a, as a device, a strategy of the enemy, then you won't be ignorant and you won't succumb to it and you won't get the advantage. I remember there were times that would, there was such great pressure on my mind. There been, I, I, I don't even, it doesn't really matter what he threatened. But I remember holding on at the, because I could, I could feel such great pressure on the mind and on the body. And I remember at the bottom of the stairway years ago holding on to the newel post and said, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. And just, I physically Amen. held on to that thing. Amen. Amen. Why? Wow, there was such pressure for me to change my will. Come on. Wow. But I just wouldn't. So and if you, do, if you don't learn how to hold your will in line, Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The will, your will is the strongest thing you got. Faith can get thrilled and stirred up and say, let's do it. But if your will says, uh-uh, faith is shut down. Your will, the devil wants your will. He wants you. He wants to do your thinking for you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And so this spirit of fear, when... when Paul said, no, no, remember, you got faith on the inside of you. Take that faith and stir up, stir up the gifts on the inside of you. Stir up the deposits that are there in you. But God's not giving you the spirit of fear because fear is going to show up and you're going to have to decide which one you're going to cooperate with. Yeah. Wow. Amen. Amen. And I, I, I've said this because in pastoring, I will have people that will come and say, Pastor, I had this dream, and, and the devil said this to me in the dream, and they're, they're overwrought. And I don't make light of it because it's very real. I know that. It's very real to them. But I said, you know, the thing is, you have to quit being impressed with what he's threatening you with. Yeah, come on. Some he may threaten that they're going to die prematurely. Some he may threaten that you're going to go under financially. Some he may threaten that your spouse is going to leave you and you're going to be left alone. Some he may threaten of what's going to happen to your children. You know, well, they're not serving God and and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I I liken it to this, that if if you were in a room and you were the only one left on your team playing dodgeball. You know what dodgeball is? you got two opposing teams and there's all these balls, volleyball type things, and you throw them at each other. And this is what you don't want to end up doing, but this is what I find some, if I could put it this way, this is what I find some that I've tried to help with. This is what they're doing. They're the only one left on their team. Everybody else has been knocked out, so to speak. They're the only one left, and there's about six of them lined up on the opposing team, and they're just lobbing those balls right at them. And you will not win if all you do is sit and dodge balls. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Come on. You won't win. You won't win. Even if that ball never lands on you, you'll never win just dodging things. Right, right. The right. only way you win is you pick up a ball yes. and you go and you throw it right at the dude throwing the ball. Yeah, amen. 
In other words, so many people are just running around trying to dodge the thought you're going to die prematurely. Dodge the thought you're, you're going to go under financially. Dodge the thought you're going to be left without a spouse. You're going to be left alone in your old age. It's not important what ball that's thrown at you. It doesn't matter so much what the enemy suggests. You know, if, if, if there's balls, if you're on that, on that uh, team and, and uh, you're, you're in that court where they're playing dodgeball, does it really matter whether the ball is red or yellow or blue? Does it really matter? It doesn't really matter what he's suggesting. What matters is shut down the one throwing the ball. Yes, amen. And so many times I find people, Pastor Nancy, the devil said that, uh, you know, that I'm going to lose my children. Shut, quit messing with the ball. Deal yes. with the dude throwing the ball. Yes, amen. You're occupied with the ball and all you're doing is running yourself down, trying to, trying to dodge those thoughts. Yeah. Take your authority and say, oh, no, you don't. Spirit of fear, I deal with you. And I tell you, you leave in Jesus' name. And every time you throw a ball, I'm not just going to sit here and be a ball dodger. I'm going to take my authority and I'm going to lob it at you. Quit Quit being occupied with what he is suggesting. Yes, you need to answer it with the word. Don't misunderstand me. When Jesus was threatened with these temptations, he answered him correctly, but then he dealt with the, he dealt with the devil. He didn't just, he didn't just stand there and, and try to dodge, oh, oh, I hope that won't happen. No, 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 I hope that won't. Oh, pastor, would you pray? Come on. <laughs> Amen. You've got to learn what strategy does the devil threaten you with yeah. and recognize it's the spirit of fear dealing with yeah, and yeah. deal with that thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Deal with him and stop, stop getting occupied and repeating and be, being uh, anxious, yeah. overwhelmed and fearful about what he is suggesting. Right, 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 right. <clears throat> we had, uh, in closing, I'll, I'll give this example. We, we, have a, we had a staff member that one day he, he got sick at the office, and so he went and told one of the secretaries, he says, I, I'm, I'm ill today. He says, I'm going to go home. I don't feel well. And the moment he said that, the secretary, the thought came to her, oh, I hope I don't get sick. And so she immediately, oh, no, by his stripes I was healed. So she quoted a healing scripture. The next day she got sick. And she came to me and she told me that. She said, Pastor, now I realize why I get, got sick. She said, it wasn't, it wasn't sickness threatening me. It was a spirit of fear talking to me that I would get sick. And so when I quoted a healing scripture, I took the thought. And I quoted that healing scripture in fear at the suggestion of the enemy. Instead, I should have said, spirit of fear, I resist you in Jesus' name. See, he was trying to frighten her with the thought. See, the devil doesn't want to be recognized. But many times there's a spirit of fear that people are not recognizing and they're just dealing with, uh, they're dealing with what the spirit is suggesting instead of dealing with the spirit itself. Yes. So good. Does that so make good. sense to you? Yes. Learn it. And then, for example, people might be troubled. I'm going to lose my house. I'm not going to have enough money. Uh, and they'll, they'll start quoting financial scriptures. That's not your problem. That's right. Fear's the problem. Get up and say, fear, I resist you in Jesus' name recognize it. I remember when I had gone through different seasons of tests and trials, I remember the, I remember the Holy Ghost telling me that's the spirit of fear. I go, really? I, did, I was dealing with what he was suggesting to me. He was suggesting financial difficulties. He was suggesting physical issues. And I was going around quoting healing scriptures and feeding on healing scriptures and quoting all the, and, and, and missing the whole thing. Yeah. 
And the Spirit of God said to me, that's the spirit of fear talking to you. That's, that's suggesting all those thoughts of financial ruin, suggesting all the thoughts of, of physical difficulty. Yeah. You got to learn who's, who's doing the talking. You see, you deal with that spirit. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, after, when, when you go through seasons and, and difficulties, I want you to know this, you speak the word. Deal with it. And sometimes that spirit, if I could say this, there's not an immediate change. But, but it'll start changing. You, you remember when Jesus and the disciples got in the boat, Jesus said, let's go to the other side, and they got in the boat, and while they were on the, on the sea, a storm came up, the boat began to fill up, and they began to sink. Remember that? They, they began to sink, and Peter went to Jesus and woke him up and said, Master, cares thou not that we perish? Remember this, and Jesus, and we won't take time to, to, to preach that whole sermon there, but Jesus got up and rebuked it, and the storm stopped. Notice this, the storm stopped, but they still had a boat full of water. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Notice their clothes were still soaked from having been in the storm. Yeah. What I mean is once, a, once the storm stops, sometimes they're the after effects right. Right. of the storm having been in motion. So things might not immediately in a moment of time go back to the way they were, but the storm, that spirit that's attacking got yeah. dealt with. But you might have to, they had to dry out the clothes. They had to bail, they, had, they still had to bail the water out. Yes, that's right, Pastor, so good. Amen? Yeah, amen. So after you speak to that spirit of fear, and sometimes people get, if I could say this, they get in resisting mode. Then all they're, all they're mindful of is what the devil's suggesting, what he's right. been saying. They get in that resisting mode. We are to resist, but we're not to mentally stay in resisting mode. We're to stay in faith's mode. We're, we're to rest on, rest on the word and rest on our victory. So at those times after you deal with that spirit of fear, then just start praising. Just start praising. Just start praising. Just start praising. Amen? Hallelujah. Just start praising. Just start praising. I remember there was a spirit. Years ago, there was, I was going through a difficulty, and uh, one day the Spirit of God said to me, the praise cure. See, I was doing all my quoting. I was doing all my confessing. I was doing all my Bible reading. I was doing all my praying in tongues, but I wasn't, I wasn't making the progress I should have made. One day I said to the Spirit of God, I said, I'm doing this wrong. Because see, if I was doing it right, there'd be evidence. And I said, I'm doing this wrong. And the Spirit of God said to me, the praise cure. He was letting me know you're leaving out praise. Yeah. Yeah. So for the next week, I quit doing all that I had been doing, and I just started praising God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. At the end of a week, the word of the Lord came to me. I mean, I, I just stepped into the Spirit. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, Now, tell that Spirit that's been harassing you to desist in his maneuvers. So I got up, I went into the bathroom. People were in the house, so I went in the bathroom. I wasn't going to do it in front of people, you know. So I went in there, closed the door, locked it, and just, just in these tones, I said, now that spirit that's been harassing me, you desist in your maneuvers against me. Yes. And the moment I said that, he says, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving. And just for the next two days, he just kept saying, that didn't work, I'm not leaving, that didn't work, I'm not leaving. And all I did was praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why? I'm not acting on what he's saying. I'm not going to keep resisting in doubt and unbelief, believing what he said. Amen. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And then after about a day and a half or so, every bit of that was gone. It had been there for months, you see. See, he tries to deceive you. He tries to make you think your authority didn't work. Your authority works. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, are you helped tonight? 
Now see, it shouldn't trouble you or make you afraid to know what, what, kind of what kind of spirit's going to again in the future try to trouble you because now you're forewarned, now you'll be armed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so now I, I look at how, what, what pattern has the devil used against my life? I'm going to fortify myself Amen. in that arena. For example, if, if the devil's gotten you in, into bad marriages and you married wrong, listen, you better start paying attention to somebody that might say, you know what, because it, he, he's worked on you, it, it, that strategy's worked against you before, now you need to say, you know what, I'm going to listen to my pastor. I'm going to go on. to some people who know and, and see what they say about it too. Why? Because I don't want to fall into the same trap and not listening. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Or, or maybe one thing the devil's used against you is, is the withholding of giving. Seriously, some people have been raised in such poverty that they're afraid to give. But well, the devil's used that against you. Notice he's going to try to use that against you, but don't fall into that. Say, you're not, you're not working that on me again. You know, you try to work that on me, I know exactly what, how to answer you. Amen? Well, stand with me to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We're so grateful for the help, the help of the word. We're so thankful for the victory that is ours. It's not something we have to earn, but it's something that is our present possession. We thank you that you have made us master to rule and reign in life as kings and priests, to rule and reign over circumstances, that they're not ruling and reigning over us, but we're ruling and reigning over them. We thank you for the word that shows and reveals and exposes the strategies and the devices of the enemy so that he doesn't get the advantage over us. Thank you for the knowledge of the word. Thank you for the knowledge of the word. For in the knowledge we, we, we are able to operate in our victory. And we thank you for that. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated if you would real quick. 